Warning, this 13th installment of Spark Interview Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, secret agents dressed as clowns, fake Fabergé eggs, the mysterious octopus cult, Eastern Germany aggression towards Western Germany, evil exiled princes, and backgammon. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Review Podcast, James Bond, 007, Octopussy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Spirekin's Bond Marathon, a.k.a. the... The Bondathon! I'm your host, Zane, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. And we're back for another fun episode of the Spirekin Motion Picture Review Podcast, where we talk about all things movies, and this is our year-long, now year-long... Uh, review of all the Bond films in order, and because of this film, actually, we may be including one of the non-Eon films. Yes. Just to stretch things out, and also because it is actually a major reason why this film was made. But, you can check out any of our earlier episodes at... www.spirakin.com We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-N, and you find us one way or another. Also, if you want to do something cool, go to tinyurl.com forward slash help X-A-N, and that will take you to our Apple Podcasts site, and you can leave a comment and concern, a comment and rating for us. Let us know how we're doing, and follow us on all those social media sites. It'd be kind of cool and different, because we try our best to be, for in this podcast, to be educational enlightening exciting and most importantly entertaining we try our best to do the best we can so i think i muddled that completely right yeah just a little bit something different for today and that's because maybe because this movie sucked out my brain a little bit because this one is uh different it's um yeah it's a little different and it's one which we're actually let's get into it shall we because we should get into it because Remember last time we talked about the movie For Your Eyes Only, which we rate is one of the worst Bond movies ever with Roger Moore. <coughs> and this one is one which it's a step back or step forward, we say, because the last one was, okay, Moonraker happened, lots of gadgets. So this next one, For Your Eyes Only, we're going to get rid of all the gadgets. The only thing we're going to have is maybe grappler suspenders, but besides that, nothing else. No other no other gadgets at all. We're going to go super realistic and simple, but what they did is they took two... It's more st- about, like, the being a good spy and using the resources and not about the cool stuff. But this one's more... Well, they do use the alligator in this. Well, this one they use the alligator. This one they use the alligator, not that one. True. This one is a very different... Uh, it's a horse of a different color. Yep. To quote an old movie. And this one's very different than how For Your Eyes Only was because there was a lot of differences. First off, we don't have a teenager as the love interest. Thank the Lord, baby Jesus. It's an an older, much more mature um, Bond girl in this in uh, Maude Anders. But let's get to the basic information about this. That so, doesn't mean that she's old by any means. No, not at all. So, Octopussy was directed by John Glenn. And this is his second of his 
his year of I'm going to do all the Bond movies. This is his second, and he's seemed to have gotten a little better at his craft, but not really. He also decided, okay, I can't use Spectre, so I'm going to focus on the East-West of Germany. I'm going to focus on the Soviets. That's going to be my big bad, my overarching villains for the series. That becomes his his antagonistic force. That's what he's going to do for this film. And this was produced by Robert R. Broccoli, who actually we discovered his nickname was Chubby. Or sorry, Cubby. Cubby. Why? It's Broccoli. Broccoli can't be a Cubby. No, but Broccoli can be cheesy. Har, har, har. <laughs> and this one was based on uh, short stories by Ian Fleming again. It's ironically from the collection of short stories, Octopussy and the Living Daylights, and none of the plot was used for the movie. The movie. They've used bits and pieces. For example, there's a scene at Sotheby's, which is a famous auction house, and that's from the short story, The Property of a Lady. So that scene is in this one. Then the whole sequence of events involving a backgammon match where the villain gets very frustrated, is from the original Moonraker novel. And then the short story of Octopussy is mentioned in dialogue between James Bond and the eponymous Octopussy when she mentions her past story. And the rest was kind of just made up to be its own thing. They said, okay, I'm going to combine these, throw them in a blender, and then we'll add them going to a country that's far away. We're somewhere we haven't been to. Somewhere far, somewhere different. Egypt? England? Uh, India. India. They end up going to India in this one. It's a little different. So let's get the cast out of the way. Now, first off, we have... Hmm. I'm thinking about this. We have Vijay Arichiraj as Vijay. Bond's MI6 ally in India. His name is Vijay. He's Vijay. You have... Very Indian name. Like, let's call him Joe. You have Albert Moses as Sadrin, uh, the head of MI6 in India, signed a system also. You have Jeffrey Keane back again as Frederick Ray, the British Minister of Defense. So that's a little crazy. You have Walter Gothel as... General Gothel. He's back again as General Gothel. This is, I think, his fifth movie as General Gothel. So he's become a standby. For standard. Yes. You also have Michaela Clavel in it as Penelope Smallbone, the assistant to M's assistant. This is Many Penny's assistant. And her interaction with Bond is actually like a, wait a minute, Manny Penny, what have you done? It's like, oh no, this is my assistant. And they both are very, it's like she's a prototype Manny Penny. And then I do love the fact that. She's just a younger version of Manny Penny. And they both do the, <sighs> when he leaves. Har har. Uh, you have Robert Brown as M. Now, here's the interesting part. In the last movie, we had James Villar as the head of MI6, the person who they thought was going to become M. And he presumed he'd become M for the rest of the series. However, the producers thought he was too young. So, they chose, they said we want someone in their 70s, and they chose Robert Brown. So, the guy who they had set up for M has been fired, and now they have a new M. A little different. Another man. M is for man. No, M, yes. 
However, one person we do have back that we love, Desmond Llewellyn is back as Q. I love him. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to go to India, and he was kind of pissed off that he couldn't go to India. Uh, so they filmed all the scenes in Pinewood Studios. Don't you wish M was like your your grandfather? Well, he's not grandpa yet. He's uncle at this point. He's not grandpa. He hasn't gotten that old yet. He's still young and still spry and still... He gets there. He gets to grandpa by Pierce Brosnan, but he's not there yet. You have uh, Anthony and David Mayer as Mika and Grishka. They are two henchmen who are uh, knife throwers from a circus. Because a circus is involved in this. Yeah. Because... Reasons. Yes. Um, our quote-unquote, one of our main bads, Stephen Burkhoff, is General... Orlov, he is a Soviet general who is against detente. He wants to do bad things. You have Kabir Bidi as Gobinda, the main hench, who is a um, pretty imposing force for hench, I think. Let's see, you have Luis, Luis Jordan as Kamal Khan, who is the main villain. He's an exiled Afghan prince, played by a... And what a name, too. Kamal Khan. He's intrigued. He does not look like an Afghan prince. I would rather have had the guy who played Gobinda play him, but he does a good job as a villain. He's very um, bondish. He's, he is a good villain. I like him as a villain. He's a decent villain. Then we have Maud Adams as Octopussy, who... There's a funny story behind hiring her, because originally they wanted an Indian woman, and then for certain reasons they didn't decide on Maud Anders. Adams, who had been a Bond girl in The Man with the Golden Gun. And they said, oh, we'll just dye her hair brown, and then we'll give her a backstory that she was raised by Indians. And I was like, they, they should have gone with an Indian. Yeah. As Octopus. He would have worked a little better. But this is also not the time period of a lot of extreme diversity. There's a lot of, I mean, you had... Uh, there wasn't a lot of diversity. It's like they get, you know, a couple people of non-Caucasian background and then they're like, check, done. Yeah. And then finally, um, this... Alright, so, after For Your Eyes Only, Roger Moore wanted to retire from James Bond. His original contract was for three movies and he fulfilled that with The Spy Who Loved Me. So each additional film, he had to negotiate for a film-by-film basis. So he got different prices for each one. But he said, he was done For Your Eyes Only. So the producer said, you know what, we're going to find our next Bond. And they auditioned a bunch of different people, including Timothy Dalton, who they said was too young, Michael Billington, and then U.S. actor James Brolin was supposed to be Bond. And he actually was moved in the process of moving to London to begin work on Octopussy when a certain other film company decided they're going to release a new movie. Another Bond movie. Never Say Never Again. Starring the original Bond Sean Connery. So the producers are like, oh shit, we can't do this with a new guy. Um, We'll give you extra money and we'll hire you again. And they convinced him to return to rival against Sean Connery because they felt that an established actor would fare better against the former Bond. Yeah, but Sean Connery's Bond is Bond. But well, this is actually the reason why we decided to do Never Say Never Again because you have to bring up this fact when we compare the two. But this movie made... So Roger Moore comes back as James Bond. And this movie was made for $27.5 million and made $187.5 million. So it grossed a grand total of $160 million. 
So it's a success. It made money. <coughs> for, for 1983, that's like a billion dollars. And let's get to it, shall we? So this movie actually opens up insanely ridiculously. It first opens up where we have a uh, James Bond breaking into a... They don't really say if it's Mexico or Spain or it's a European... It's a Spanish-speaking country. And he's dressed up as a general. But how he first comes in is he drives in in a car pulling a... Let's be honest. He's pulling a horse trailer. And he comes in and he comes and he's... And what is it, like a polo match? It's like a... It's a race. It's a horse race. Yeah. And he's going to go there and he's he's in the back trailer with the horse. He jumps out, knocks out a guy and switches his jacket and he looks like the general. He puts a fake mustache on. And he goes in because he's going to uh, destroy this base because while it is a horse race, there's also a base with a bunch of weapons. So he's going to walk in, put a bomb there, all will be well. So he goes in, he, he infiltrates it. No one is... They see the guy. He looks exactly like the general. And he walks in. No questions asked. He gets to where he's going to put a bomb. And the general shows up. And he's like, oh, so, you, so you're... Uh, I think it's Her Herrera. General Herrera. Uh, you're a Herrera too. And he's like... Uh-oh. The guy rips off his mustache. He knows it. He walks away. The bomb goes off. He's running. He has nowhere to go because all the everyone's trying to shoot him, kill him. He runs to the horse trailer. Dun, dun, dun. So he can get on Old Faithful and ride away. That's what you think. Turns out, no, it's a fake horse. The horse's ass lifts up, and there's an airplane in there. Now, mind you, it's a tiny airplane. The wings fold out, but it's it is cool. I kind of wish I had one of these airplanes because it's a little tiny airplane. It is. Stupid. It's not that stupid. It is stupid looking, and when he flies the airplane, the horse is really fake looking. They end. You did not. You thought it was a real horse at first. The tail moves and everything. Once it lifts up, then you know it's fake. But it's. You see him fly. He is, he gets out of there by uh, looping around. They shoot a missile after him. He uses the missile to blow up the. Blow up the location, and then when he's flying away, getting away, he runs out of gas and pulls into a gas station and says fill her up please which is kind of adorable and this is when i like that bond just rolls with it but he's like okay i'm out of gas what do i do go to a gas station but first it's what how he gets out is we didn't really explain because the bomb doesn't really go off how he gets out is he's being held hostage and the girl who he's with his bond girl is driving the truck next to them, and she's being flirty to the guys. And he's looking. She at lets him. her skirt kind of open up. Her boobs are kind of showing. And he's and Bond looks, and he looks at the the, the his guards, and is like, "Hey, and look at that, guys!" And they're like, "Yeah." They're kind of like, "Hey, we could we might want to kill you, but we can appreciate a." a and it's all gawk at the woman with her boobs hanging out. And then while she does that, uh, uh, she gives him the opportunity to get out of his cuffs and escape. Beat up the guys. And then he gets into the, the back of the, the, the trailer. However, let's get to it, shall we? So the main story is that 009 is killed while trying to get to the British Embassy. However, he's killed while dressed as a clown. Why is he dressed as a clown? This is a great question. Thanks for asking. It is a great question. He just... You see him, he's escaping a circus and there are two knife throwers running after him he ends up making it kind of to the embassy but he's got a knife in his back 
He dies in front of the ambassador, and he's holding a egg. A, a Fabergé egg, not just any egg. And they found that it's a fake replica of a very famous... A beautiful replica. That is known as the Portrait of a Lady. And that's going to be auctioned off in London. So, they send James to investigate and find out the identity of the, se- the seller. And he takes the fake egg with him, and he ends up... The, so the real egg is going to be at auction. So why is there a fake egg that looks exactly like it? Why is there a duplicate of an egg that hasn't been seen for, I don't know, a very, very long time? These are all excellent questions. Well, it turns out Not that... the use of excellent? Har har. Thank you. Well, it turns out that uh, General Olaf is commissioning a bunch of forgeries of famous works to be made so what he does is he steals the fake works sells them trades them off and then he does the rope dope he says hey here's the real egg here's the real egg you're gonna buy this real egg you can authenticate and check it out oh all right you're gonna get the money all right switch the fake one out and take the original back and uh, and because he's in charge of antiquities yep and he has a guy working which is kind of brilliant it's a it's skeezy but it's a good Kind of. And General Gogo actually checks up on him and says, "What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, nothing. You could check out all the all the stuff. It's all real." And then his assistant's like, "It's like, do we have the real one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hide the fake ones there. They won't find out." So he's stealing from the Russian government because they are all for. Because he's a bad guy. They're all for detente. They're like, "We're not going to fight with the West anymore. We're going to try to just live our lives." We have East Germany. They have West Germany. That's how it's going to be. But he's like, "You know what? We can have our tanks out." Destroy the West and we'll have a big empire, bigger than the Ottoman Empire. So he's a war general and they don't want that anymore. So they're trying to find out how the egg came into possession. And Bond ends up getting in a bidding war with an exiled prince named Kamal Khan. And they end up uh, becoming kind of rivals. For the egg, he leaves... They meet again at a at a backgammon uh, den, which I did not know backgammon was a thing for gambling. Of course, but so backgammon is a thing like I think especially Eastern Europe, just like mahjong is a thing in Asia, just like poker is a thing for Americans. Everybody has their thing. Just backgammon is so weird, but he ends up playing a game of backgammon against Khan, winning and getting five hundred thousand. Uh, pounds for it, which is pretty good. Half a million pounds. It's a lot of money. They end up getting into a huge fight back and forth. Uh, there's a nice chase sequence in the middle of the marketplace in India, because I forgot to mention that you go to India. And it's actually a really cool uh, chase sequence. With a lot going on at one point, uh, his contact, he's dressed up like a snake charmer, and he plays on a recorder. Like, it, it was... The chase sequences have continued to improve. It's a lot more energetic and a lot going on because it's a crowded street and he's driving one of those um, three-wheel cars. Uh, I forget what they're called. ATVs? No. No, no, no. They're like like scooters, but they're not scooters. Uh, they're I, I, they're like a rickshaw, but they're not a rickshaw. If you know what it is, email me, zanspirekin.com. Let me know what it is. I can't remember. It's like on its way to growing up to being a car. Yeah. But they get away. Also, we're introduced to Kamal Khan's 
enforcer, Gobinda, a very scary looking, uh, like a very stoic, uh, turban wearing manservant, I'd have to say. I want to think of nicer, but he's the, okay, Kamal Khan is rich and wealthy and charismatic. And while he will get his hands dirty, for the most part, he's like, Gobinda, take care of it. Yeah, like he doesn't have to. He's got somebody for that. And that's Gobinda's job. And Gobinda does a good job. Yep. He ends up... And from there, it ends up going into a typical Q scene. Now you're wondering, we still haven't heard anything about Octopussy, the name of the movie. No, because we do find out that from after Bod seduces... It's because we're still on the clown and circus. Yes, we're getting to that. Uh, but you meet Q, and Q, actually we find out why Q is in all these different locations. Turns out that whenever he's needed, Q is flown out to them. And this time he finally vents his frustration like, Look, I didn't want to come out here. I can't get any work done if you keep flying me out to these places, but here's what I've got. I'm working with this Q branch. So they're different Q branches, but he's the head of the Q branch. But he goes there to help James Bond. And this time he's got some good gadgets. Uh, Which is why he gets so mad at Bond for doing things like blowing up his cars. This time there's no car. True. He gets a Seiko wristwatch, which, um, yeah. Seiko. Uh, and this isn't like a, the current Seiko watch, which is a real wristwatch, which has the hands and the... This is a digital watch that looks... Which is, which, I mean, taking into consideration for the time. It's full of gadgets and numbers and strange things. It's also I got a TV in it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But it's it looks... Bad. It looks cheap. It's not what you want a debonair spy to have on his wrist. This is when people thought the future was going to be lasers and ray guns, so it's understandable. It looks very different. It's a little bit more... I want to say flashy. It's got a tracking beacon in it. Also, he gives he puts he installs a micro tracker and microphone into the Fabergé egg, the fake one. He so gives, that they can hear, which is brilliant. He gives them a Mont Blanc... Fountain pen. Mont Blanc. Which has, on one end, it's the receiver for the microphone so you can hear it, even though it looks super uncomfortable. But it's it's like the predecessor to Bluetooth headpieces. Yeah, but it's but again, back then, they were, they were making things smaller and smaller, so the fact that it's so small is actually impressive for the time. Also, the Mont Blanc pen, if you spin it, it releases acid that eats any metal, even though the pen is made of metal, so... Movie magic. And that's all the gadgets he gets. But it doesn't have to be that... No, it could... It, well, it could be that it can eat through any metal, but maybe not plastic. And so maybe the container for it is a plastic vial. True. Uh, there is one more gadget that he gives him, which is how he infiltrates uh, Kamal Khan's secret fortress. Because he gets seduced... He lets himself get seduced by... Uh, one of Khan's associates, this girl named Magda, who ends up stealing the Fabergé egg and escaping in a really cool way, where she takes her dress, which is just a robe, and lets it unfurl to be her escape her escape uh, outfit. But then it turns out that she has a tattoo that is uh, of a blue octopus, a blue ringed octopus. And it's a, that's a, it turns out that the blue ringed octopus is this very special kind of octopus with a special kind of neurotoxin that it can secrete. So it's a really dangerous but adorable 
little octopus. And she says, oh, that's my little octopussy. And it's a, it's a tramp stamp. It's a small one, and it's in color, and it really looks like the press-on ones that you get when you're a kid. You know, you, you clean your arm, you put it down, you wet the back, and then you peel off the paper, and there you go. That's what it looks like. But he... But... She escapes. But we're going to pretend it's a real tattoo. We will pretend it's a real tattoo. And she ends up escaping. He follows her and ends up finding about his big palace where he breaks into. Actually, no, he doesn't break into it yet. He gets captured and breaks into it. But he gets caught by them gets sealed into a room where they're trying to figure out where he got the egg from. What does he know? And they lock him in his room. And Bond breaks out. Using the pen. Because he's Bond. And then he breaks into Magda's room and watches her dress for a second because she doesn't, she doesn't see him. Waits for her to turn around and then she he leaves. But I'm pretty sure she saw him. Because later on she kind of knows that he escaped. So I think she, is, she escaped. But he escapes, listens to the his bug and finds out that Khan is working with Orlov... And they're going to expand the Soviet control into West Central Europe. And he's going to give him something at an event coming up. That they're going to use. Just a, There's going to be a big trade of gems for something. Some very famous jewelry. But there's a purchase. A significant thing that's going to happen. And, they're, and they're, um, their fence is going to help them out. And it's apparently... The fence is in the floating palace in... Udapur, India, and there it's where the octopus cult is because it's apparently a huge cult. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a cult. They say it's a cult. <laughs> I was going to say maybe we can call it something else like a female funded harem because it's only women yeah. and they're beautiful. All of them are beautiful. Yes. All of her little octopuses. Well, we haven't gotten to her, the, the leader yet, but. So, after he listens to the scheme, he has to escape. And now, most people would think he'd escape by, by digging a tunnel, doing this. He escapes by hiding in a bag with a dead body. And they leave the dead body to let him, like, they bring the dead no, body. he took the dead body out, and he was, he was pretending to be one of the dead bodies. He That's... hung him behind the door or something like that. Because they're going to use the dead bodies to attract animals for a safari. So, he ends up... Being taken out, thrown into the middle of the woods, and he does the zombie, scares them. But then when he gets out, opens the bag, ready to go, a hundred guys are after him. Including Kamal Khan on top of an elephant with a rifle. Because. They're doing a safari. He's going hunting. And it's kind of ridiculous how this works. This kind of ridiculous chase sequence happens. They even use the Tarzan scream at one point when he swings from a vine, which yes, is just kind do. of that dumb. Was, that was a little... They could have done without that. But it's, it's very uh, impactful, very rushing, very heart-pumping and crazy how it goes. A lot of action happens with this. And then the worst part is that when you think all is lost, it gets just even more crazy and weird. Because you think that they're going to kill him. There are literally like 50 guys after him. So... As all seems lost, and James is kind of screwed at this point because... I mean, he's being chased by a crazy man with a very large gun on top of an elephant in a jungle where there's... An army of guys who are his servants after him because he's a prince and they'll do whatever he says. He's kind of screwed at this point. Yeah. 
So what can he do? How can he get away? Well, he gets to the river. And this is India, so there's probably crocodiles and other things, but... And leeches and... Actually, there are leeches. At one point, he pulls a leech off of him. So it's kind of a big point. But what can he do? What else is in the river that could save him? Well, a tour boat! Of plump Americans waving at him. They see him and they said, oh, hey, how you doing? And he looks like a tourist because he's not, you know, he's a he British guy. He's in the water. They pick him up. And they say, hey, are you with the tour group too? And he's like, uh, uh, I'm with the economy tour. He said, oh, that's good. And it's like, wait, wow. So you wonder, what does that mean? The economy tour is like, we're going to leave you in the jungle to die. <laughs> kind of crazy. Like, aren't you glad you paid for the extra nice tour, honey? Yep. And so now that he is safe, he has to figure out a way to find what's going on he decides to investigate the octopus cult which is in Udapur, india and let's be honest the octopus cult what did you say it's a female run harem it's only women only beautiful women now who are all athletic and able to do things. Yes, they're like lounging at the pool, but then they all put on like their beautiful wares and they're not all necessarily dressed. And there's So when I hang out with my girlfriends, we're not necessarily doing our hair and putting on makeup. Now, granted, we're, this is 2020, but all of these women are like full hair, full makeup, high heels, like... Or they're wearing the cult robes. Or they're wearing cult right. robes. And, of course, we cannot forget how he breaks in. He breaks in, not just a boat, not swimming in. He takes a fake crocodile. Yep. Which is crazy, because it's a crocodile. It's a crocodile. And it just, it's like, it's, it's like the bird hat, but it's a crocodile sub almost. He gets in, breaks in, and then he meets... The leader of the cult, Octopussy, who is a smuggler, associate of Khan, and a very wealthy businesswoman. And also, she has a personal connection with Bond. And this is actually the connection from the Octopussy story. She is the daughter of the late Major Dexter Smythe, who Bond was supposed to... Not Smith. Smythe. And Bond was supposed to arrest him for treason. However, Bond let the Major commit suicide rather than face trial because he was a good man in everything except for this incident which occurred. So, Octopussy is willing to protect Bond and have him stay as a guest as opposed to uh, giving him up to Khan because Khan is desperate to find him. And the minute that... So, we'll say that the Octopussy cult is now... Switzerland at this point. So as yes. long as he stays in there, he's not a dead man. But the minute he walks out, Kamal Khan has like an issue for him to die. And it's going to be pretty rough because what happens. Eventually, though, Bond does find out that the, the that Khan is going to meet Orloff at Karl Max Stands in East Germany where... Octopussy's financer, financee, how she gets her money is going to be arriving. And how does she get her money besides smuggling? How does she get her legitimate money? She's a uh, works in the circus. She owns a circus with clowns and lions and tigers and elephants and a guy who shoots himself out of 
A cannon and knife throwers. That's right. The cannon might come in handy later. And the knife throwers are the bad guys who killed 009. And so he has to get out to East Germany. And as he is, after he has his way with Octopus here, actually, she does not, she's not a damsel in distress. She's very formidable. She's um, someone who's like, I, I'm interested in you because you saved my father, and I find you fascinating, and I like you. And Bond is interested in her, but it's not a... It seems like it's more of a, I'm going to use you to find out what's going on. It's not the Tracy, it's not the Spy Who Loved Me, where there's an actual major attraction. It's kind of like a, yeah, I'm interested, but... it's. Yeah, I'll take it or leave it. Exactly, I'll take it or leave it. It's not the uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you're you're my one and only, which it becomes the point of him for a while. It's not I must have you. Yeah, and I think that's a good thing which we haven't brought up in a while is that he has seemed well since the la- the last movie, he has gone past the you got his revenge for Tracy, but it seems like at this point he's no longer. He's like I'm never gonna let anyone close again. At this oh yeah, point. he's not letting anybody in. Mm. Like, he'll flirt with them, he'll be Krizak, but he has an agenda. He'll sleep with them. But he won't... No one's getting close. Yeah, which may lead to some craziness later. However, we're getting off topic. So, from here, it goes into another fight sequence where, since Kamal Khan knows that he's at Octopussy's palace, he's going to send four goons he hired to kill Bond. And also, they kill Vijay. Because mm-hmm. VJ is, is observing, watching what's going on. Actually, a really cool scene is who's watching is actually Q is watching dressed up as a fisherman. And then VJ shows up and they swap places. So these guys kill VJ using the most impractical weapon possible, which is actually listed as one of the gadgets in this movie. A giant yo-yo saw. Yeah. That's right. You heard this right. The big scary henchman... Has a big yo-yo saw. So he has to get up really high above you and then drop the saw on you. That is his weapon. It's not a... I'm Like, a real yo-yo is designed as a weapon. For those who don't know, the original yo-yo was a weapon used by Polynesians. And that's why the Shoot the Moon... What we call Shoot the Moon, that's actually the first um, art for yo-yos. Because you could shatter a bottle with a yo-yo. Or, yeah. or someone's face. So you'd think, hey, it's a razor thing. You throw it and maybe a razor will come out. No, it's just two razor blades on a wire and he just drops it. It's kind of lazy. I mean, at one point he swings it around like a like a flail, but it's a very weird scene. And it's my least favorite henchman um, killing tool. And this is not a named henchman. This is just a random guy he hired. It's like, we're going to hire some goons to, to kill him. Almost as if he saw him at the circus and goes, Hey, you have a killer yo-yo. Come kill people for me using your yo-yo but, skills. But this isn't a, a circus guy. This is, remember, it's Gabinda No, but, but that's yeah. kind of what it feels like. Like, yeah, hey, you're weird and you like to kill people. Yeah, because it's like, Gobindo's like... I mean, it's different. I mean, we never see how they hire the henches. It's Gobindo goes to a bar and says, we need to kill somebody who wants money, and a bunch of henches show up. They're like, yeah, I'll do it. But it's all like weird criteria, and they end up fighting. Uh, Bond ends up, it, it tears up the whole place, and Bond ends up escaping by jumping out of a window. And suddenly a crocodile appears, and there's a whole, the crocodile does the the, the death s- roll. The, the spin... Thing. And and Octopussy thinks that Bond is dead. However, 
That's not the case. This uh, this crocodile had a hidden compartment that was Bond sized. Yes, it was well. the return of the Bond uh, fake crocodile. So he gets inside him and then he kind of goes away. And now they have to go to Germany to the circus to find out what's going on. And here's where it gets even more crazy at this point. He gets to East Germany. Now, we talked about this earlier, but if you're listening for the first time, pretty much in from 1945 till 1989, Germany was two countries because in a kind of weird settlement with World War II, they made East Germany, West Germany. East Germany was controlled by a coalition of Europeans in the United States, and West Germany was controlled by the Iron Curtain, a.k.a. the Soviet Union. So it's two very different locations. And this circus is actually in East Germany being a kind of like a goodwill, let's entertain the good people of Germany uh, in the West Germany. And you can see it's very different. It's, uh, how would you describe how it felt in the East Germany section? Well, sad. Everybody was in seats and there were guards everywhere. There was police checks everywhere. It's Yeah, it's very... Um, militaristic. Militaristic, kind of cold, a little depressing, versus the West, where it was... A little better. It was still... It was Germany, but it was kind of like... More sunny, more color. Uh, there wasn't a guy with an Uzi tra- that was going like, to keep was, you in line. Who's asking for your papers. Because the other thing is, in this time... You had to have your paperwork and you had to have your stuff. If you did not, they would kill you at one point. Or throw you into jail. Well, if you cross the, 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 the they're essentially their DMZ zone, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Which actually kind of happens in this movie. Something like that occurs. However, uh, what we said is like, uh, Bond goes and, and infiltrates the circus and he goes to one of the cars, which is the car with the big cannon. It turns out the cannon has a secret compartment underneath they put jewels into it. These are where they're going to smuggle the jewels. They're going to go to East from East Germany to West Germany. Then they're going to trade the jewelries in West Germany and get the money. That's how this, this deal is gone. This is how it's going to go. However, when Octopussy leaves after they switch out the jewels, they, tip, they, they put switch the jewels for the money, General Orloff switches out the jewels for a bomb. Because the thing is, the next stop is uh, the Feldstaff U.S. Air Base in West Germany. And the whole thing was he wanted an event to occur that would knock out all of the Western soldiers in in West Germany so that he could have his tanks come and then they could take over Germany, take over Germany, and then they could begin their conquest of the rest of Europe. And if you detonate a bomb that big, a nuclear bomb, that would take them out. That would definitely take them out. Not not thinking about fallout or anything like that, which they really didn't in this movie. The fallout wasn't really an option in this. I don't think. No, it wasn't really a consideration. And since it's an airbase, they think that oh, it's just one of the bombs went off. That's going to be the that's going to be the exclamation is one of the bombs went off because they won't think someone did anything with it. Uh. And it'll leave the borders open for Soviet invasion. And they end up... And then the train starts going to East Germany. 
or West Germany. And as he's waiting, he's actually hiding, and one of the two twins is waiting for him, looking around, like, on guard, and he hears a noise, and it's Bond hiding. He starts looking for Bond, and Bond keeps hiding in different places, like he hides in a monkey outfit. He hides under a... This is kind of stupid. It's, kind of, it's stupid, but it's kind of cute. You almost want it to speed up where it's noticeably fast, like how they used to do the fight scenes, and then have... Yeah, the yakety yeah. sacks. You almost want that moment to happen. But that doesn't happen. He ends up beating up uh, Krishna. And Mishka wants revenge for the death of his brother. They get into a fight. And Bond ends up stealing Orloff's cars. Orloff's car, which has all the jewels in it. To give chase because he ends up missing the train. He's got to stop the train because there's a bomb on it. He's chasing after it. And Orloff goes after him. It becomes a very kind of cool chase sequence. However... As, they're, as he's chasing after the train and gets on the train, Orloff is desperate to get... Because the evidence of his betrayal is there. And eventually, General Gogol, after some stuff, finds the car and finds the jewels. Because he has been investigating and he discovered that, hey, the jewels in the treasury are all fake. What the hell's going on? And uh, Orlov's subordinate kind of ratted him out he's like saying i'm gonna die i'm gonna be tortured to death or i could tell on my on the general and he tells on the general say i'm trying to get him and orloff is trying to give chase on bond until he reaches the germany border for west and east germany and they tell him stop stop and uh gothel gogol thinks that he's defecting or he's running away across mm-hmm. the border so as i said earlier if you don't have paperwork and you try to cross the border they're gonna shoot at you he gets killed right there, right in the middle of the of the of the border, and it's actually kind of horrific because it's not it's not a uh, like oh we're gonna just shoot you and that's it. No, it's they gun him down and it puts the severity of the tension between the east and west. However, onto lighter news, Bond has now gotten on top of the moving circus car and he's trying to get to the bomb to get stop it and. Mishna is there trying to get revenge for his brother. Huge fight sequence. And it's a very, uh, well, action-packed scene. But is this going to end? Is he going to save the day? No, he falls off the train. Yep. And now he's 10 miles away from the airbase with no ID. And, no ID. And he's dressed up as one of the twins. So no one would tell because he, ki- he dressed up as Krishna, which is really horrific. Like, I killed this guy. I'm going to wear his clothes. But He's, he's in dressed a- up like a circus performer. On a circus train. So no one could find him, but he just but he's no longer on a circus train. So he ends up stealing a car. Well, actually, no. He takes a and then ride. In my mind, I'm like flashing back to the beginning of the movie when the double O agent dies as a clown, and I'm like, uh oh, here's Bond dressed up like a circus performer with people chasing him. He's gonna die again. But something weird does happen, which is kind of of crazy. Like he gets picked up by two German people. He tells them, I need to go. And there, he's driving along with these two German people. And almost like in a European vacation, Vegas vacation with the um, Griswolds, he's in the back seat of this car with these two very plump German couple. With like uh, sausages and stuff. (laughs) It's like how you'd see, like you picture like eating the sausages while driving. He's like, oh, you you know, you must eat, you must eat. And he's like, no, nine and nine, nine. He actually speaks German, which is the first time we actually hear him really speak another language. Like we heard Connery speak, we heard Connery speak Japanese at one point, and this is him speaking like conversational. 
Martian, he ends up stealing their car, driving off, and then the cops are after him. A whole chase sequence happens of him trying to get to the airfield before everything goes wrong. Gets to the airfield. Everyone is trying to get him because he just broke onto an airbase, a U.S. airbase in Germany. So they think that he is... Bad guy. A, a psychopath, a bad guy. And he has nowhere to go. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? He sees a trailer where a bunch of stagehands are. It's a clown trailer. So he puts on clown makeup. Now it's exactly like the guy that was started out the movie. 009, how he died. He ends up walking around there acting like a stupid clown. And then they, they're looking for him. And then they find his stuff in the clown. Like, oh, he's dressed up like a clown. Let's get him. Check the clowns. Check the clowns. But by that point, he had gotten in. He walks in. And also, before I forget, Kamal Khan and Gobinda were in the audience for the West Germany, the airbase. And they were leaving early because he got a phone call. They were going to leave and let them all die because they knew about the bomb. But um, Bond ends up convincing Octopussy and the general that's there that there's a bomb, that he screwed him over, and he ends up, well, everyone's trying to stop him. He ends up opening, well... It was the base of the massive cannon. Well, they welded it shut, so he has to kind of break it open. He gets it open, and they see the bomb, and they're all freaking out, and he ends up, even though the cops are after him, he's defusing the bomb. And they end up, like, calming down, which this part's kind of complete bullshit. They would totally have arrested him, even if he's, he's, he's trying to defuse the bomb. But Octopussy helps him, convinces him they're going to uh, disable the bomb. All's going to be good. And he saves the day. Yay! He saved the day for America. And uh, Orloff is dead. They caught Orloff. This is done. Hooray! Nope. There's still one bad guy left, because... Khan got away. Yeah. So Octopussy and Bond go to India separately. And then Bond is going to go all stealth-like to attack the palace at the same time that Octopussy and her circus troop are all going to assault the grounds. The thing is, it turns out that all the circus members, except for, like, the elderly, are all part of this, like, they're all trained, they're trained assassins. So they use all their skills, like some flip, some do twirls, and it's always to do, to get to, like, be sneaky. It's actually really a poetic and cool moment. And they end up assaulting the huge, this castle, and it's a huge fight sequence. There's a hot air balloon involved where Q shows up for the hot air balloon. He's surrounded by hot women. He's like, ah, ah, ah. And it's actually a very fun scene. And it ends where Octopussy tries to kill Khan, gets tricked, captured by Gobinda, and they end up taking her hostage, and now it's going to be a plane fight. Because who doesn't love a plane fight? So Bond gets on top of the plane, the plane flies, and he's end up hanging onto the plane while it's flying. Which this part is kind of like, what the fuck? This is different for a Bond movie. It's usually like he's jumping out of a plane, or he's using a plane. Never, I'm just hanging onto a plane, and nothing bad is happening, I'm not going to die. Just... Do-do-do, hanging onto a plane. And then, like, the, the best thing is, like, he's, he's screwing around on top. He actually disables uh, one of the engines. And when he does this, Khan looks at Gobinda and says, Go take care of him. And Khan's like, What the hell's wrong with you? I don't want to go out there. Uh... But because he's his, his lord, he ends up going on the roof. He thinks he's going to be safe. He doesn't connect anything to himself. It's not like in... A movie that we haven't reviewed yet, The Rocketeer, how the big German guy ties a, you know, he ties a rope around himself so he doesn't fall off. None of that. He just gets up on there. They fight. And he ends up just falling off the plane and Gobinda dies. And then 
uh, Bond defeats Khan, rescues Octopussy. They crash the plane and get out of it with a very kind of just like, we're going to crash into a cliff, we're going to crash into a cliff, let's jump out now, we're safe, yay! It's like, no, the terminal velocity or the speed would have killed you at this point, but it's a Bond movie and Khan dies, impact from the airplane. And then the movie ends where M and General Gogol are talking about the return of the stolen jewelry, how they're going to get the jewelry back. You know, because the jewelry was found in the car and they're going to return it and all is going to be well. Meanwhile, James is just with Octopussy aboard a private boat in India. And that's how it ends. And this one... Compared to the last movie, it is a little bit of a breath of fresh air. There are some great aspects to this movie, I will say. And this one was made in response to Never Say Never. Again, that's why they focused on so many points to it. And they wanted to focus on India, which I did enjoy. And while last one we complained that it's all over the place, there's multiple different set pieces. I think that began the set pieces where every film has multiple set pieces, multiple staging points. You know, you're going to be in India, you're going to be in Britain, you're going to be in... Uh, East Germany, you're going to be here, you're going to be there. This one was kind of sedate. It was. It just had the opening location, then England, then India, then East-West Germany, then back to... You went back, which is good. It went. It's like the bad guy's base was here. It's not his base as some place we never heard about till the end. And uh, also, fun fact, the Fabergé egg was real. It's called the Coronation Egg. And it's... Not a portrait of a lady? No, it's the Coronation Egg, which is like... It was made in 1897. It's like super expensive. And it's beautiful. It's got a little carriage in it. I'm sure they used the replica of it. For a lot of it. For a lot of it. It reminds me of the egg that's in Ocean's 12. Was it Ocean's 12? Uh, yes. With the Night Fox? Yes. Yeah. Twelve. But out of this movie, like I like the the little dinky plane that was hidden in the fake horse. I would own one. I do like. Well, there were some cool things in the vehicles were awesome in this movie. Octopussy's uh, plane was cool. The one that Khan had. Uh, something that was a little bit cool is that he steals from a Mercedes Benz dealership in Germany. And it's like it's it's the salon car. It's the car that's actually inside of the in the window, and it's like okay. But he's James Bond, and he ends up driving the car. We didn't even talk about this. That he drives the car, which tires have been flattened, onto the tracks. Yeah. So it's and because it's, the tires are like the rubber's gone, the rims kind of work to hold the stay on the tracks. Yeah, and it's crazy it's actually a really cool scene and this was well done for some of the choreography in this with the chase sequences there's some nods to it like the like i said the the breaking the fourth wall when you have vj playing the bond theme Mm -hmm. in one point and this is a very well we're gonna get into our feelings for the movie but uh last thing we should bring up is the opening and the music now john barry was not in the last movie he didn't do the theme for for your eyes only and that you could tell because the music is very different and for your eyes only he came back for 
this one. This is Ninth Score. And there's references to the octopusy theme throughout the movie. Which is nice. You have the... Uh, For your eyes only. Well, this is uh, octopusy, so it's oh, like... Yeah. Um, but they did not use any of the... Uh, they only made subtle references to Indian music. And they felt that it didn't work dramatically for the sitar and whatnot. And I think that's not true at all. I like the sitar. I think it would have worked really well. They, I mean, they use it in later Bond movies. And it, or in Jason Bourne, they use a sitar and Indian music for the theme. And it actually is very dramatic and pump-raising. I will say this is also... Well, the title of this is not Octopussy. It is... All Time High by Rita Coolidge. And this is the seven, one of the seven songs that don't have the title. And this one, it's... The opening is... Uh, I will say it's kind of... It's boring. It is. It's just... You use a laser pointer that has an image of James Bond, and that turns 007, and it's on the same girl over and over again, and it's girls in silhouette on trampoline. And then at one point, it's... A guy dressed up like James Bond and a girl on roller skates going doing a circle. Doing the uh, the spin that they do. Ice the ice skating spin. And it just, it looks dumb. It's like, what does this have to deal with octopusy? What is that? It's, it's nothing. It's not like Goldfinger had all the gold in it. Diamonds are forever had diamonds in the cat in it. Yep. Um, Moonraker had uh, elements of it. This one had nothing to it. It's... You know, it's all time high. And we actually rank this as one of the lowest. Actually, we rank this as the lowest, the worst song in our opening in a Bond film. 100%. Well, no, there's one which is worse, The Three Blind Mice. We still have his... You are correct, yes. that one was like, well, it's a James Bond movie, but, you know, the, but that was only for like five minutes. But this one, it's bad. Let's be honest, it's a bad movie. Uh, but, fun little fact that the premiere, Prince Charles and Diana, Princess of Wales, were in attendance for the premiere. And, like I said, it, it earned a lot of money, and a lot of people did not like uh, the, the comic scenes, like Bond dressed up as a clown, the gorilla outfit, the Tarzan yell. Uh... And, this is a movie which there are elements which are... Really good in it. I like some of the elements that were taken from the original Bond stories that they used them verbatim. Like it was a scene in the auction house with the portrait lady. Well done. The octopusy backstory was really cool. I like that it was a... I would prefer that they showed it instead of said it, but... That was well done. Um, and this was a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek. But it was very action-packed. I, I'm not a huge fan of circuses in general, but it was, I liked the, the ladies layer, you know. The, the cult of the octopus? Yeah. Um, it was very empowering and I liked that she wanted a place for all of the ladies just to hang out and just be like away from the world and how she funded that was doing the shenanigans with the circus and all that stuff. And that's one of the better developments of the movie is that you had the whole cult and 
Like, she's a really good, like, as a Bond character. She's established. She's wealthy. She's not a damsel in distress. She has her shit together. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good, and that's a really good aspect of it. And it's kind of interesting that uh, Octopussy, uh, Maude Adams, is considered either the worst, one of the worst Bond girls or one of the best Bond girls, depending on who you... Talk to. Talk to. Uh, she's considered, like, the 10th worst Bond girl, but... Some think that she's great, and I think that she's a decent Bond girl for the aging Roger Moore. I agree. She's she's not a bimbo. She's someone who's actually strong and powerful. I mean, but she still is beautiful. She's been. I mean, if you compare her to her role in The Man with the Golden Gun, it's very similar. It's the bad girl who kind of turns good because she has a as um uh what's her name from the from. Thunderball said, "It's though you have the religious experience, and then suddenly you're turned to the side of the angels." I mean, that isn't what happened. She's still bad. She just said, "You know what? Um, I respect you for what you did with my father, and I'm interested in you." But it's not like she's still a bad girl. But she's not. She's uh, she's um, a neutral. She'd be in chaotic, not chaotic. She'd be a lawful neutral, I'd say, in the grand scheme of things. Now, while we said Kamal Khan is a great villain. Louis Jordan does a great job as this very charismatic exiled prince who is playing both sides. I mean, at one point they smash the fake egg and he sees the microphone and he could show it to General or- Orlov, but he covers it. Yeah. Because he knows he's going to be screwed, that he could be screwed with this. He ends up like he's playing his own game. Like, he's getting money from General Orlov, but he is doing his own thing, and he's really a good villain. However, General Orlov, he is comically bad. He is a dumb, bad villain. Like, we, like, I'm saying like a lot. I do apologize for that. I've been trying to get myself out of that. But we have him super low. We have him above... Uh, Rosa Klebb in our ranking for villains because he's just a dumb villain. His whole thing is, oh, we are going to steal the steal the money from the from our government. We're not going to get caught, but we're going to cause a war because I want more power. And it's just he's cartoonishly like mustache swirling bad. He's not a. He's like they threw him in just because they needed another villain. Yeah. So you wanted to focus on, on the gems, and I was like, okay, that's a cool aspect. And you could have thrown in, you didn't need him for the whole movie as a, as a running villain. Yeah, it reminds you of how the Nazis stole all of the gems and finery and amassed this great fortune. And you're like, okay, so here we have Germans with a whole bunch of jewels. Now they're faking them and making new fake jewelry and selling them off as, it's like, hmm, they well, didn't learn the first time. Well, this is Russian, not Germans. True, but. And they just, Orlov is a bad villain. He's a very bad villain. It's very, his scenes lower the movie, which sucks because Kamal Khan raises the scenes. Maud Adam raises the scenes. A lot of the set pieces are really good. Some of them are very nonsensical, though, but they're not as nonsensical as For Your Eyes Only with, oh, I love a jaunt in the countryside. Ha, ha, ha. No, it's... I mean, yes, there's pun game going on, but not as bad pun game, I think. I think... 
Yeah, there there aren't very many puns. There's a couple of very good ones. Like one was. Um, I mean, there's like the sexual innuendos with the octopusy, and don't you like my little octopusy? I like that um, Khan when he sees Bond right before the whole let's hunt him down for sport. He's like. You seem to have a nasty habit of surviving. And Bond's like, well, you know what they say about the fittest. <laughs> There's, it's quippy. And he's older and, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, it is quippy. It's quippy, but it's not punny. Um, and all the other characters do get puns. Like, Q even gets a great one where it's like, they're when they're watching him at the Octopus Colts' palace, and VJ's like, is he still there? And Q's like, you must be joking. 007 on an island populated exclusively by women? We won't see him till dawn. <laughs> yeah, the only person who doesn't have a quip that's really good is Orlov, because he's just kind of... Meh. He's just kind of angry, angry men. I really hate the chainsaw... Uh, the... Yo-yo. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say also that I didn't forget is, and I ha- we haven't been talking about, is the taglines for the movie. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a couple times with a couple films, but the tagline for this is pretty just like, nobody does it better 13 times. In James Bond's all-time action high. Huh. And then nobody does it better. And that was, the last movie was nobody does it better. Not this fucking one. What the fuck? Yeah. So, overall, uh, and let's finally let's talk about Roger Moore himself. We talked about his whole reasons to be involved, and he didn't want to do this. You see in bits of it, he didn't want to do this. He's there, but he's a little... He's better than he was in Free Your Eyes Only. He does not wear the dad suit. He looks a little more debonair. He looks like... Because he is now trying to go against Sean Connery. It seems like he's trying to up his game. Like, say, I'm going to be more debonair. I'm going to look better. Yeah. Like, you see he looks better and not as old. However, he does look... A little tired. Tired. He looks tired. He looks like he's not all there. Like, you know when you have, like, a fight scene or a chase sequence and there's a lot of get up and go? You know when they're filming this movie, there's a little downtime between. You can catch your breath, right? And in this, he's just not as... Peppy. His, his knees aren't coming up as high. His, you know, he's... He needed to eat more bran flakes or something. He had to get there. And this is near the end of his of his movies. And he, so far, he is now the leading actor. He has one, two, three, four, five, six movies under his belt. He is tied with Sean Connery. Even though, technically, you could say Never Say Never Again, it makes it seven. But we're not gonna we're gonna and we're gonna talk about that. But the next you know he's got one more movie in him because it's it's he's getting tired with it, right? Yep. And for our point, well, one we're gonna give this I'm gonna give this a worth watching once in streaming or on Blu-ray or in theaters if it's available in theaters. But it's not the bee's knees. Uh, what do you think? It's, yeah, I like certain aspects of it. It's not the best. It's not the worst. I think it's a good James Bond film. I think it's decent. I think it's worth watching. It's worth watching once. And we're actually going to, I'm actually going to rank it underneath 
from Russia with love and over on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I agree. It's a good point. It's because it's better because Roger Moore is because is a little bit more believable than uh, George Lazenby. How? Oh yes. And it's not bad in our, our ranking. It means it's above Thunderball. It's above Diamonds Are Forever. It's above Moonraker and For Your Eyes Only. It's not. It's still low on our list, but it's not terrible. It's yeah, like I said, it's not the best by far, but it's not the worst. I believe, if I'm counting this right, it's number eight. I enjoyed it. I liked the the scenes of the auction. You know, I liked, um, I liked the plane, the little mini plane. I think I've said that a few times. I'm surprised you didn't bring up the robe that the girl wore when she escapes. How she does the curtain dancing to go go down the. And then when she do, and then when she lands, she's basically naked. She might have panties on, but then she furls it back down, which is cool. No, she didn't. She leave it. And Kamal Khan like. Oh yeah, she did. Her. Oh yeah, she did. She did leave it. You're right. Kamal Khan comes and picks her up and covers her. You're right. You're right. It's a it's a decent movie. It's not terrible. Um, I think the MVP for this movie still is gonna be Bond, uh, James Bond. Also, uh, oh, before we forget, uh, well, no, that's it. I think that uh, Roger Moore does a great job as the MVP as usual, but I think. Um, Q has much more to do in this movie. He, he's not just in the lab. He actually is out doing stuff. Yep. And I did like it. The LVP, like we said, is General Orlov and the guy with the... the Chainsaw stu- Yo-Yo. Chainsaw Yo-Yo guy, I think. Um, so I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so stay tuned. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the one which I didn't want to review, but we're going to have to review anyway, and we're talking about Never Say Never Again. The Bond movie, which isn't an Eon film or a Broccoli film, and it's a remake of one of the Bond films we talked about earlier. We're going to actually compare it to the um, to the original version of it, and we're going to take into account the fact that it is supposed to be a sequel, and we, will, we might compare the Bond girls versus, even though it's kind of weird comparing a 60s Bond girl versus a 80s Bond girl. <laughs> That'll be fun. Should be interesting. But uh, I guess that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're gone, so I'll catch you guys next time. Keep watching Bond movies. And also, fun fact, if you have Hulu, all the Bond movies are available. Well, up to the Daniel Craig stuff. So you can watch along with us and compare and contrast. I might be setting up a Spark in Discord so you can actually comment about stuff, about the Bond movies. Might be setting that up on Discord because everyone's talking about joining Discord, so... We'll see. Catch you guys next time. We're Gonsville. Bye. And never say never. Again. Again. All I wanted was a sweet distraction for an hour or two. Had no intention to do the things we've done. But then
Fleming's James Bond 007 in Octopussy. and most thrilling of the James Bond adventures, filling the screen with excitement. In the tradition of the great James Bond films, Octopussy has everything. Elegant palaces and beautiful women. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Name's Bond. I believe you have a reservation for me. We've been expecting you, sir. I'm Octopussy. And you are James Bond, 007 license to kill. Am I to be your target for tonight? is Bond at his best, hitting an all-time high in Octopussy. Step on it! The Bond that tops them all.
Octopussy, racing across the screen with thrills and excitement. Roger Moore in his newest James Bond adventure, hitting an all-time high in Octopussy. It's all in the wrist. Double sixes. Fancy that. 200,000 rupees. I prefer cash. Get it cashed for him. Yes, sir. Spend the money quickly, Mr. Bond. I intend to. Kamal Khan. My security. And yours. <laughs> 